Welcome to the Two Boomer Women Podcast. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. I've been talking to boomer women for some time now. I suppose if I really think about it, I've been talking to boomer women most of my adult life. And that continues with this podcast, and I must admit, I am loving the conversations. However, there's something else going on at Two Boomer Women these days. I'm interviewing men, too, once a month where possible, and it's called Monthly Man Day. These men have a message for us boomer women, and maybe you can interest the man in your life into tuning in, too. Today is Monthly Man Day. Sit back, enjoy, and let me know what you think. Welcome to the Two Boomer Women Podcast. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. On a number of occasions, I've mentioned people I've met online. A number of them have been guests on this podcast. Several of them have become good friends, which I appreciate because often you go with your gut. You've perhaps never met them in person. And please rest assured I'm not talking online dating here. (laughs) I encountered one particular woman over 10 years ago. We met briefly at a business conference and went on our way. As chance would have it, we were assigned together as accountability partners by the trainer. We sometimes chuckle over the first few meetings. I was older than her, so of course I was wiser. And when she challenged some of my ideas, I had to sit on my arrogance. And then I'd realize she was right. (laughs) Over the weeks, we grew to really like and appreciate each other. Months went by and our friendship grew. Years went by and our families became part of each other's lives. I mean, sort of, as best they can when lives are a thousand plus kilometers apart. Then about six years ago, my daughter and her fiancé were planning their wedding. Stumbling block after stumbling block arose as they tried to plan a destination that would work for both her Canadian family and his Spanish family. A major health issue pointed us all to destination Spain and no complaints from the Canadian contingent. But bureaucracy still made a legal marriage in Spain difficult to organize. The obvious solution to my daughter and me was an elopement to Vegas, where they could be married by an Elvis impersonator with a follow-up gathering in Spain. Describing all this to my friend one Saturday evening on our weekly Skype chat, she quietly offered a possible solution. Her brother lived in Vegas and was licensed to marry people, legally, lovingly. No Elvis impersonation endured. I stay out of other people's planning departments, so I mentioned the fact to my daughter, offered up an email address, and the rest is history. Jeff and his husband took my daughter and her now husband out into a beautiful spot in nature, married them, and witnessed said union. Six years ago, until a couple of weeks ago, I had never connected with Jeff. Life does unfold, however. Life in the 21st century social and political extremism, COVID. My intro gets a little convoluted here, but Jeff came back onto my radar. Mainstream churches were having a variety of issues, leaving many alienated. But people were still longing for connection, community, and acceptance without excluding their faith, etc., etc., etc. Community and acceptance and love and joy were what Jeff's faith was offering. And people were listening. And after that lengthy intro, that's what I want to talk to Jeff about today. Reverend Jeffrey Ryan, welcome to the Two Boomer Women podcast. Hi, it's great to be with you. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited about this. Jeff, I'm going to admit right off the top, I'm one of the religion 
alienated. That happened 50 years ago. Mm -hmm. And again, 35 years ago. But the Center for Spiritual Living is different from traditional churches. Tell us about CSL and tell us about their vision. Okay. Centers for Spiritual Living is part of the larger, what's called the New Thought Movement. We are very similar to Unity, if you've heard of Unity, closely related to Unitarian Universalism as well, where um, we are much more open and affirming of all walks of life. We believe that there is there are multiple paths to the divine, and it's the divine of your understanding that there's not just one divine, or one way of looking at the divine, shall I say, because what we do affirm is that there is just one divine that you may be called by multitude of names, millions of names, but there's just the one divine, the one power, the one presence, the one infinite, eternal, that is all through all as all. And we believe that this one divine energy is the source of all of life and all of creation. And that because it is the source of all of life and all of creation, there is no separation between the source and creation itself, that there's this this one energy from which everything has been created, which is a divine energy. And so that then when you extrapolate that out means that you and I are a divine manifestation of or a divine expression of this one life. So there is no separation between you and I and, you know, the dogs and cats and trees or anything that, or anything in the universe, whether it's the sun, the moon, or anything, that there's just this one divine energy expressing as multiplicity. And so our vision at Centers for Spiritual Living is creating a world that works for everyone and all of creation, because we recognize the interconnectedness and the the inherent interdependence and interconnectedness of all life, that I am not separate from you, that you are yet another version of me that I have yet to meet. And so now here we are meeting six years after, (laughs) or six years later after performing that wedding ceremony for you. Yeah. I don't know how many years after meeting your sister. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Interestingly, I was listening to somebody on, on talk radio just recently who talked about the fact that when they passed from this life form, and I don't know if it was at a molecular level, I shouldn't probably even talk about it because I'm not going to remember it quite right, but that energy went into the air. And so because of the air I breathe and you breathe and the dog breathes that, you know, they they do live on in that energy until I guess we expire and then our energy, which still contains their energy. So it's interesting that just to hear you explain that it's maybe almost a, a similar thing. Right. Well, from an energetic perspective, energy can never be destroyed. Energy just transmutes or is transformed, right? So it just goes back into releasing this particular form, and then it just goes back into yet a different forms, but energy itself is never destroyed. So that right there also speaks to the eternality of life itself, is that energy is eternal. It's infinite, and it's eternal. Uh, on the website, it's, it also mentioned like religious science. Is that part of like what you're combining there? So the 
founder of Centers for Spiritual Living was Ernest Holmes, and he studied all of the world's major religions and synthesized them in finding the golden thread of truth that's um, through all of the major world traditions and even not so major world traditions. And so what he was then also studying was science, philosophy, and spirituality, as well as psychology. So he was studying all of those things together. And at the time, Christian science was known, and there was a divine science, and all of these are part of that new thought movement, basically. And so what he coined his offering, his variation of new thought, he coined that as religious science, because there is a, there's the religious piece, or there's a religious piece or a religion component, and there's a scientific aspect. And what we're talking about when we say religious science or science of mind is the textbook that he wrote. When we look at science, science is the methodical study of something. It's the methodical study or application of something that we test, you know, our, we test our theories, right? And mind is consciousness. So what it is, is it is the methodical study of consciousness is science of mind. And what he, just in the terms that they were using back in the early 20th century, back in 1919, were, you know, like I said, Christian science, religious science, divine science. So to distinguish from the other variations, he used the term religious science. So that is a term that carries through that um, for a long time, they initially started with the Institute of Religious Science, then they changed to the Church of Religious Science, because what they found is people who were disillusioned by mainstream uh, or mainline faith traditions were really finding a lot of joy and a lot of upliftment in what Ernest Holmes was teaching and that they were really resonating with that, but they wanted to be able to go to a place on Sunday mornings that, you know, offered this offering that where there is no sin, there is no hell, there is no damnation, that we each have agency of our lives, that we can, through the power of our thought and the power of our belief, change the way we live, change our experiences and change, you know, our lives. And so it was very empowering. So they wanted a place to go on Sundays where they were being empowered to live their more fuller and authentic, more authentic selves, right? So Ernest finally gave in and was like, okay, fine. We'll do church of religious science and then we'll have ministers and everything. But it started off as People were practitioners that we practice just like any of the sciences and the arts, that there's a practice. And so it is practicing principle. It is practicing scientific methods, if you will, of experimenting of, all right, so let me change how I'm thinking and let's see what kind of result I, what kind of result I get. So, um, so yes, so religious science, that's a long way, sorry, of explaining that yes, religious science, the term is there. However, we also recognized later on that with the rise of Scientology, which is not religious science, 
and the confusion with Christian science and Scientology and religious science that there was the waters were becoming very muddied. And so Centers for Spiritual Living, or the Church of Religious Science at the time, decided to rebrand and rename to Centers for Spiritual Living because that's more what we're doing. Because, as you were saying, with the cultural creatives, church is kind of like a nowadays and modern days for people who no longer resonate with church. Church is one of those four-letter words kind of a thing. And it's so... It creates unnecessary barriers where the word center for spiritual living, it describes it's like it's a center, it's a place to come, to gather, where we're going to talk about and learn about spiritual things, spiritual principles, and ways of living in spiritual principles. So we teach spiritual living and we live spiritual teaching. It's almost like you've been looking at my notes here. (laughs) I was thinking, first of all, like what a breath of fresh air it must have been a hundred-ish years ago to, and, and you use the exact words, like go to a place where it wasn't all hellfire and damnation, you know, and, and what a relief that would be. Just, I won't even go there. <laughs> well, and what a relief it is today, even. So. Yeah, no, well, like, yeah, <laughs> that was one of the places I wasn't going to go. So thank you for saying that. Thank you. <laughs> And I'm glad you clarified about the universe, the divine, because I had put into my notes that, you know, on occasion, I do still hear the word God. And that to me still suggests this guy up on a cloud passing judgment. Mm -hmm. But having seen you in action, (laughs) and we'll get into that. Uh um, I was going to say that, you know, like words like um, the universe, the divine um, would be totally appropriate. And you've just completely said that they are. Other words are love, peace, joy, yeah. bliss. Those are all words for the divine too. And that's what resonates with us. It doesn't have to be God. Yeah. For me, I, I took the word God back. So I have an understanding of the word God that is no longer that God that is the external white man on the cloud pointing a finger and judgmental or anything like that. God now is that internal presence because one of the things Ernest Holmes says is the highest most God and the innermost God are one. And so the, the highest consciousness and the innermost consciousness is one consciousness. And so I recognize that the, that little still small voice that I hear or that, you know, that, that intuitive hit that, you know, even told you it's like, Hey, maybe I should call Jeff or maybe I should even talk to Michelle about this, that that intuitive hit is that, that's presence of spirit, the presence of universal intelligence within you that's saying, hey, Agnes, make this call. And that is what I define or know to be the divine now. So when I say God, that's what I'm referencing is that spirit within me that's also within you that is the universal spirit that we are all are. And I'm glad you sort of comment on that because I tend to avoid the word God because there's most people in my circle certainly still seem to think of him as that guy that you pray to in church. Yeah. And, and even him, it's gendered. Yeah, oh, it's a man. Oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> well, <laughs> actually, Lord. when people say, <laughs> thank God or something, I often do say, uh, I'm sorry, she's not in right now. You're just going to have to wing it, you know, so... Okay, now don't tell your sister I asked this question. On the main CSL website, I saw the terms practitioner, Uh 
Minister Chaplin, which are you? Okay. So in order to become a minister or a chaplain, we first become practitioners. So a practitioner is somebody who has studied approximately four years with the science of mind teaching and curriculum from the foundations of learning about the creative process or process, learning the how how like how the universe, how this structure works in terms of the creative process with the way consciousness or the way that we envision consciousness to work to create form that it goes from conscious, a thought, an idea to create form. And learning the way that we pray. We have a methodical way of praying that's often referred to as a spiritual mind treatment, also known as affirmative prayer. And so the practitioners, we do this study, and it's also the, when you're in practitioner training, it is really a deep dive into the healing of our own stuff that we've been carrying, that life has put upon us. So there is a deep dive in healing past traumas, past hurts, uh, old relationships, false beliefs. Really what we deal with is what is the false belief behind it, behind whatever issue? What is, what is it that we came to believe about ourselves or about life? And we go there to heal there. And so that's where the healing takes place because if that's the false belief, what do we know to be the actual truth, the spiritual truth, the spiritual principle? And then the shift in thinking, if you will, is a shift from that false belief to a shift in belief or a shift in thinking about, contemplating spiritual truth, what we know to be the truth of life. And so the practitioner goes through two years of basically prerequisites followed by two years of practitioner studies where it's a very deep dive within themselves. And then it's also a learning how to sit with others in pastoral guidance sessions, if you will, also known as practitioner sessions, to get to the false belief. And then at the end of that practitioner session, there is a, we then move to that spiritual mind treatment, that affirmative prayer that begins to shift in consciousness from that false belief to to what it is that we are wanting to experience in life. So there's, that's the practitioner first. Uh, chaplains is your standard chaplaincy. That is where folks are working in prisons or hospitals, uh, hospice, anything like that. So they, they do their, um, their CPEs, which is the, um, the chaplaincy programming, to be able to be in you know, those situations, working one-on-one in any way you would think of a chaplain being. Practitioners and ministers, either a practitioner or a minister can be a chaplain, um, but you have to have your practitioner license at least. And we make great chaplains because we honor all paths to God. So, and we study uh, through our training, especially through our ministerial training, we study similarly to the way that Ernest Holmes studied, meaning that we study the major world's religions. We're also looking for we're also looking at quantum physics and philosophy and spiritual psychology as part of our training. So because we honor all paths to the divine, it makes really 
it makes us great chaplains because we can meet you where you're at and speak a similar language with you that can be of comfort and coming in and not, you know, having that judgment and the, oh, you know, repent and, you know, give yourself over and, you know, any of that. It's just like, we're able to meet people where they are with them in their faith tradition or non-faith tradition. That's really interesting because I mean, I've, I've heard and probably used the word chaplain. I don't know how many times. And I did not know that it referred to path into a certain area. Um, you know, whether it's hospice, as you say, or prisons or hospital, you know, mm-hmm. just thinking of where I've gone. Oh, I should have to be careful. I haven't been in prison. <laughs> I've just heard about it. <laughs> but then a minister, just to finish that off, the, the minister, in order to then become a minister with Centers for Spiritual Living, then that's an additional two to five years, depending on how long you choose to complete the program. And whether you choose to do the master's degree or just get the certificate and the master's degree is an accredited program as well. So that's an additional, you know, two to five years, depending on, you know, your own particular path and pursuit. Ministers serve then as the leaders of centers. And then we also have what are referred to as teaching chapters, where it's, there's not any, there's not really services like on a Sunday, like you know, normal church would be or a center would have, would have um, services during the week. A teaching chapter is more about teaching, like teaching and offering classes and that type of thing. There's also a focus ministry. Focus ministries are people that have, they're out serving the world in larger ways, but uh, in very niche markets of what they're interested in. So there's one minister in Southern Utah that has a green ministry where she takes people out on eco tours and that type of thing. And it's all about um, healing mother earth uh, is where her focus is. Another one has a focus ministry on music and sharing music and positivity there. So there's multiple ways that ministry shows up as well. And then of course we have virtual ministers and uh, that type of thing too. So, yeah. I apologize for cutting you off there. If you pause for even a second, I jump right in there. (laughs) Now, I've also seen you share the stage or the podium or whatever you want to call it with others. So it's a service is still definitely like a a group, for lack of a better term, a group effort. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we have services. Some folks uh, might think of it looking um, a lot like a Protestant service, but without the, uh, without communion, right? Without the host and, you know, the bread and the wine and all that. In that, you know, there are, we still do, we still have a lot of music. We have an opening prayer, sometimes called an invocation, but we have an opening prayer, a bit of meditation time. I deliver a message. I call it a message. You know, some folks call it a sermon. Some folks call it a talk, whatever you want to call it. There's a message, some sort of inspirational message, prayer. We do do an offertory. And my preference is that we call it conscious contributions because we are a community 
that supports one another. And so it's contributing to the community rather than it being like, I'm offering this to the church. I'm offering, I'm giving something to some authority. It's like, no, we're a community. And so we're supporting our community. So it's a conscious contribution to our community. And then, you know, we do a closing and a closing song. And then I stand at the back and hug everybody on their way out. So <laughs> well, having tuned into some of your services, I can tell everybody that they're not like any church I've ever been into. <laughs> okay, I, if it's okay, I'm going to talk about you for a second because I have insider information. <laughs> you came to this calling after a couple of other careers, didn't you? I did. Tell us about Jeff. <laughs> I... In college, I majored in uh, international studies with a minor in Japanese, taught high school in Japan for six years, came home to my high school in Hawaii, taught Japanese for two years, then moved on and became a flight attendant for Northwest Airlines for eight years. Um, After 9-11, my seniority with the airline plummeted. And so... I had always been told, you know, I'm really, I have healing hands. And so I moved into massage therapy, went to massage school, was a massage therapist for 15 years. And it was the first time that I placed my hands on somebody as a massage therapist, like in just in training. And I felt that mind, spirit, body connection. I was like, ah, this is it. This is what I've been searching for because Michelle and I were raised not we really weren't churched um as a family um Michelle and I would go to vacation bible school when we were visiting our grandparents in southern california um we would go to vacation bible school and we would occasionally go with you know our grandparents to church on sunday when we were visiting but there was no real formal um training there for us but yet i have always felt like there was something more and curious And so it was when I was a flight attendant, and it was about 1998 that Oprah, gotta love Oprah, was doing Change Your Life TV. Uh, That was part of, and she had these segments on in 1998 at the very end, and like what I know for sure, and her, her soul, there was a soul perspective. And I was like, wow. And all the people that she had on that particular season were like these incredible people that were really having a huge impact and really a huge impact on me anyway. And I was like, wow, wouldn't it be cool if there was some place that I could go and hang out with people that are like watching Oprah and doing this and learning about these things and experiencing gratitude journals with Sarah Van Branagh and, you know, all this other stuff. I was like, wouldn't it be with Wayne Dyer or Michael Beckwith and some of the other guests she had on? I'm like, wouldn't it be really cool? So it took a long time. That was 1998. And it was 10 years later that I walked through the doors of a center for spiritual living. And I was like, oh, wow, check this out. There are people who are watching, (laughs) who are like talking about the things that I was talking, you know, that I was studying and learning on my own and all that back with, you know, since Oprah in 98. And I was like, wow, look at all this. So, so that really set me on the path 
to that, but I was a massage therapist and it was like, I was still in that searching mode until 2008. I was like, ah, I found it. And I was part of the Unitarian Universalist congregation in Seattle. I walked a neo-pagan path for a while and was part of a goddess temple in Seattle as well, just trying to find my people and where, what was the fit? And then once I found Center for Spiritual Living, it's like, ah, there we are. Makes total sense now. Found the folks. <laughs> it's interesting when you do go into a place that you know is home. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the right word or not, but you just know that, who you know, like you fit, they fit, and it all, yeah. And that's frequently what I hear at, at, at Centers for Spiritual Living. Many of us were either unchurched or left mainline religions because it just wasn't resonating for us anymore for whatever reason. It just wasn't resonating. And, you know, there's a lot of this uh, adrift for a while and that seeking and that searching And frequently, it's so common, it's a common story that we hear at Centers for Spiritual Living. It's like, and then I found that I was home, or I felt like I was home. And I cried for three Sundays in a row because I knew I was home. There's that that coming home, that landing. Um, So that word home is frequently used. <laughs> mm, okay. It's it's frequently part of the experience for a lot of folks. And you know, other folks they come in, they're looking for something more traditional, whatever that means, and you know, we're not a fit for them or it challenges some of their thinking. It's like, wait a minute. You're saying I am God too? Yeah, we are. Oh, I don't know about that. You know, where the old you know. So goes back to what you took in as Learning to be a practitioner, yes, mm-hmm. to divest yourself of all that mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I guess just you're talking about that. And I knew some of it, but uh, just how so many of your experiences. I mean, with your travel and so many people as a flight attendant, mm-hmm. uh, different people, and then your hands-on massage therapy. Yeah, it just seemed like everything in your life was bringing you to where you currently are. You just didn't know you, where you were going at the time. Right. And all through the, all throughout, there was a teaching component for me, whether I was a teacher or even as a flight attendant, I was also a trainer for flight attendants for my, you know, for my fellow flight attendants. And then in massage therapy, I taught at the school and then also it's one-on-one client education. So much of, you know, massage therapy is too. And so, you know, here I am teaching again, just in a different, uh, different arena, a different way. And really everything just kind of coming together, as you said, not really knowing how it was going to unfold as life was unfolding. But the one thing that was consistent throughout is I always listened to that intelligence within me, to that intuition within me. I always listened. I always paid attention to that. And for that, I'm really grateful. For that, I'm really grateful. It goes back to my opening where I said, like, go with your gut. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. One thing I want to mention to our listeners is that I'm not interviewing just my friend's brother. 
I do believe, Rev. Jeff, you were uh-huh. recently awarded the 2022 Minister's Meritorious Award in recognition for your outstanding leadership and service. Yes. So talk to us about that. <laughs> it's the highest yearly award that um, Centers for Spiritual Living awards one minister in the, mov- in the movement or in the organization for uh, leadership and um, leadership to the organization, leadership and service to the organization and leadership and service to the local community as well. So I serve on what's referred to as the visioning team. I'm the chair of, of the visioning team. Visioning is spiritual practice where we open, we sit in a meditative state and we listen and we pose questions in that meditative state. And we listen, like I said, with that intuition for spirit's highest idea of whatever the project might be and for spirit's guidance and spirit's direction. And when there's a group of us doing that, all the information comes through individually because it's accessed individually, but it's so interesting to see the cohesion that happens too of ah, Alice is getting this idea too. And Agnes is getting that idea. And Jeffrey's getting that idea or a variation of it. And it's like, wow, there's something that's wanting to presence itself here, an idea that's wanting to presence itself here. And so our organization then uses that idea as those ideas or what's wanting to be presenced as it's coming through this process, this practice of listening, of discernment, to then make decisions and guide the direction of the organization. And so that's, the, that's one of the teams that I serve. The other team that I uh, just stepped away from or just, I just completed, completed my term with that is the Global Themes Team, which um, for some of your listeners, they might be familiar with the word lectionary, which is kind of the, what we're all going to talk about on Sunday. <laughs> or what what the themes are for the year that you know um so that you can have a it'll be a unique experience no matter where you go but it'll be a similar experience because we're kind of all on a same or on a similar theme and so i led that team for three years as well so it was in recognition of my service to that and then the local community what we do here in riverside i'm in riverside california and our own uh, focus statement is we embolden people to live their highest potential through the transformative power of love. And part of our vision is we are an example of what it looks like when a center for spiritual living leads a city. So we are actively engaged in the goings on of our city and serving our larger community in ways that we are called. So, yeah. I'm going to go back just briefly to the fact Mm -hmm. that you help set up what's going on in on Sundays because Mm -hmm. (laughs) I try to come to these chats somewhat prepared and Uh to that end I have tuned into two of your recent services and first of all I have to say it was a lot of fun to see a minister up at the front playing Twister all by himself (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> even even if the message concerned the many stressors in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you were promoting laughter by laughing so uproariously that you had everyone 
in the congregation and online laughing with you. And I must admit, I love that because last year I interviewed a laughter yoga master trainer. Fantastic. Yeah. And I mean, it was, we laughed through the whole episode, obviously. Uh Obviously, yeah. (laughs) She was fabulous. So what other themes do you explore? And the reason I ask that is after, after I watched you play Twister all by yourself, I was having lunch with an older gentleman I know who had just come from his traditional church. Mm-hmm. And now I will admit that he's kind of fun. He's the guy that showed up on the church's Zoom calls wearing random wigs every Sunday. Love Stra- that. Straight face. So uh-huh. as if this was just quite natural. Uh, so he's a lot of fun. It has dry humor. But when I told him about you playing Twister, he went, oh, my goodness. He says, this morning we listened to like all of this part of the Bible be dissected and analyzed. He said, I want to go to your friend's church. Since <laughs> that sounds so much more, more my style. Oh dear. So anyway, so is engaging and fun your MO or. Um, engaging and fun is part of the MO. Yes. Me personally. Yeah. The theme for the year is living everyday wonder, living everyday wonder because It's very easy to get caught in our heads about, even when we're talking about spiritual principle or spiritual theories or what have you, it's very easy to get caught in our heads and it's like, oh, yes, and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And, or let me think about this or let me ruminate on that. And, you know, let me sit on my meditation cushion for hours and what have you. It's very easy to take it serious or it's very easy to hear a message and then not apply it. And what we know to be true is that, or, you know, what we hold to be true or know to be true is that spirit is everywhere present. Spirit doesn't happen just in church on Sunday. Spirit doesn't just happen, you know, you don't just encounter it on your meditation cushion or anything. Spirit happens the, an experience of spirit happens in your everyday activities, absolutely everywhere. Because if spirit is all that there is, every encounter is an encounter with spirit. Every action is an activity of spirit. So this year we are approaching it of living everyday wonder. And we are approaching the entire year with a, an attitude of curiosity, an attitude of wonder, and an attitude of awe. And we are looking at 11 different areas of our lives. So last month was our inner life. So our inner landscape. This month, we are looking at play. Next month, we're looking at creativity. The following month, we're looking at emotions. Then it's the physical body. Then it is uh, relationships, the natural world, then the natural world around us, our work environment, our financial environment, our finances, our home life. And then finally, in December, we're looking at community. So we're, we're looking at specific areas of our lives where we have everyday experiences in those lives, and we're approaching them with a spiritual angle or spiritual tools and spiritual practices that are easy to engage with and activate regardless of which realm we are in right now. Okay. I'm in work. So great. So what, because what we find in our spiritual 
guidance sessions or our, our pastoral guidance sessions is people don't come to you and ask, people don't come to us and say, I, I really want to understand the law of cause and effect better. That's not what they're coming to us with. People come to us saying, you know, I'm really struggling in my marriage or I'm really struggling with my job. I need help finding a new job. I need help improving this relationship or I'm having a health crisis. That's what they come to us with. So rather than approaching it with trying to teach spiritual principle and spiritual theory and then saying, okay, you can apply this anywhere in your life. What we've done this year is we've broken it out as looking at, okay, so here are the issues that we, common issues that we experience around play. We don't play enough. This is this month. We don't play enough. We don't laugh enough. We don't take care of ourselves enough. We don't practice self-care enough. We don't get enough rest. All right. So let's look at that and let's offer solutions to that and with practical tools that we can use. So yeah, playing twister, laughter yoga, laughter exercises. This coming Sunday, we'll be talking about uh, rest and self-care and reprioritizing even restructuring how your week works and how your day works so that you can get more time in your day, more time in your week for, and actually still be more productive on top of it. And it's still rooted in spiritual principle and spiritual practice. Everybody knows that we're on Zoom and it's really neat listening to you because you are so (laughs) expressive and so animated. It's great. And that's exactly the person I saw at the front when I was tuning into your services. Now, speaking of tuning in, um, I'm here in Canada. You've just said you're down in Riverside, California. That's just (laughs) east of LA, I believe. Yes. There were people tuning in from Nevada, Kentucky. Mm -hmm. Is Did this happen before COVID or is this a result of COVID? We really went online during COVID. And so we had to pivot very quickly. We fortunately, we had the ability to pivot quickly. We were already looking to pivot uh, or to increase our our live streaming Uh, before COVID. We were moving in that direction. And then with, you know, with COVID happening in March, we went from you know, it happened immediately. The one Sunday we were in person and the next Sunday we were online. And so we were able to pivot quite quickly. So it is a, it is a place where we were already headed, but we moved much quicker and expanded much faster because of being forced to do so, you know. And now, as you've seen watching there from where you are and watching us here, I have my laptop on the podium and we're live streaming. And so I can see all of the comments coming in on Facebook and YouTube. And I'm able to interact with folks online at home at the same time as we're interacting in the, in the room itself. So there is that connection that we make that way too. So our online audience isn't a separate audience from our, from the people in the room that it's all one and so they're able to be brought in that way too and back and forth and so there's a lot more playfulness and i found that that really started you know when we were strictly online 
And the only way to connect was through the camera and through the chats and, or the comment sections and that. So, yeah. So it's, so we've just continued that because it adds yet another dynamic layer to what's happening rather than our folks at home, just kind of watching something that they could watch. I mean, you can watch it anytime, but it's more interactive with the folks at home too, rather than just kind of like a voyeuristic, I'm watching something that's happening somewhere else, that there's an engagement piece. And you're really good at it too, because I, I must admit, I've been on enough Zoom calls that I will often leave the chat off because I find it distracting. Mm-hmm. And so to just like ignore the, the chat and then have you say something really random and I go like, oh, wait a minute, somebody made that comment. <laughs> so you're really focused in on, in the room and what's online. So I was really impressed with that because that's a, that's a talent. It was hard when I was playing Twister. I couldn't see the screen when I was playing Twister, but you know. <laughs> we could see you. <laughs> Good. <laughs> oh, okay. Like just digressing slightly here. Did, did you actually dance the bump when you were? Yeah. 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 I'm Jen. I, I noticed- I'm Gen X. So, you know, <laughs> I noticed that. <laughs> Yeah, love oh, to dance. Uh, yeah, yay. Um, okay, just getting serious for a slight second, and, and my intention here is not to diss traditional churches. But what do you hear from newcomers to your center? Now, you've told us part of that, home. A couple of weeks ago, you had quite a few new members. Mm-hmm. Is that what they're saying to you? Is just like, okay, finally, I found a place that is a fit? Yeah. I mean, that's usually what it is. The new members, um, we take, everybody, you know, joins as they want to or as they will. But we do go through a new member class, a new member orientation so that, you know, people aren't just coming in. Because what the way we define member is a member then has, they become part of the congregation that can vote on things. So rather than an attender who maybe not as invested in the community who benefits from the community and we welcome them and we love them and they're part of the family. But a member is somebody who just takes that, just that little next extra step of commitment of porting the center with their, what we call their time, their talent, and their treasure, the three T's where they're volunteering, they're more engaged, they're volunteering, they're taking classes, perhaps, you know, they're contributing financially to the center. They're contributing, you know, to the well-being of the community. And so those are, that's, so that's what you saw the other day was, you know, us welcoming nine new members. And so they'll be able to vote, you know, on our upcoming general meeting and that for a couple of different things that we have coming up that we need the congregation to vote on or the, the community to vote on. But what I, what we frequently hear is exactly that. It's like, I've, I've found home or this really resonates with me. I, I'm coming here and you're not telling me I'm going to hell. You're not condemning me for who I am. In fact, you're celebrating me for who I am. And flaws and all, and it's all good. And you're, you're telling me that, you know, it's, that I'm born of original love, not original sin. In fact, sin means nothing more than missing the mark. It means a mistake. And the minute we stop making a mistake, we stop experiencing the results of the mistake. 
these are all the things that folks share with us, that they're finding with us. It's like, wait a minute, this is so different. This is so different from what they've been taught before or what they've been, what they grew up with or what have you. I had a talk with someone recently how kids will often, whatever their reality is, is they just think that's normal Mm -hmm. because they they don't have the life experience to know that maybe it's not Mm -hmm. good or whatever. So yeah, as adults, we can often be damaged goods, Mm -hmm. you know, through, through no fault of our own. So to find a place like that, and and I'm not trying to make this a big commercial for CSL, but there's getting to be more faith-based, non-traditional communities slash churches out there, I think, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, the way we usually identify is we're spiritual, but not religious. Mm, You know, in the traditional sense, yeah, and there's a big difference between spirituality and religion. Religion is somebody teaching you or telling you what to believe spirituality is discovering what you believe for within i'd love to talk to you for one more hour <laughs> you know it, so it's not something that and so you know frequently you know people worry like oh it's csl a cult i'm like no we you know come go do whatever you you know we want to lift you up and we want to support you as best as we can and if we're not a fit then by all means we know and trust that you will find your perfect and right fit. So, you know, that's fantastic, but it's, um, yeah, spirituality is, it's about your own personal relationship with the divine of your understanding and coming to that understanding. Whereas religion is more, it's somebody else's revelation. It's somebody else's ideas or doctrine or what have you. And so that's why we talk about, we honor all paths to the divine. We honor all paths to the divine. There's no right, there's no one way. Our way at CSL isn't the only way either. It's not the one true only way. It's just a way. One thing I do want to ask you about before we sort of start to wrap Mm -hmm. a wee bit is one of the weeks when I tuned in, you had a gentleman there who was talking, I believe, it, and you've mentioned it briefly, I think, earlier, green faith. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Like, talk about real-world <laughs> issues. Uh, how, how many of those do you have? I mean, green faith, I take it as environment. Mm-hmm. And in his particular case, I think he was talking about where we put our money, which is so important. Right, right. So, yeah, there is, we, are, we have a green faith spirit group. So green faith is an international organization that is about the environment. It's faith-based uh, or a faith, it's an interfaith uh, organization where that gathers, you know, folks from different faith traditions to work together on environmental issues and, you know, saving the planet and working to slow and reverse climate change in the multitude of ways. And so that is one of the groups uh, of our small groups that we have at Riverside Center for Spiritual Living and then Centers for Spiritual Living our larger organization has begun partnering with green faith on some of the initiatives as well. That's a very, that relationship is in the very early stages. And so we're looking forward to seeing, you know, how that continues to unfold as well. Um, Locally here, we've, we work with a local women's shelter who, for women and children who are escaping domestic violence situations. We provide some assistance for our neighbors experiencing homelessness and as well as working with transitioning 
aged youth aging out of the foster care system, supporting them in the life skills to be able to be self-sufficient. And of course, we work with the LGBTQ plus community here as well. So it's for us personally, for me, I'm passionate about those things as well and being out in the community in greater ways and having an impact and making an impact. So those are for our center. Um, that's very important. It's, and each center has its own kind of flavor a little bit, but that's something that's really important to us, to Riverside specifically. I think I really appreciate the fact that not only do you acknowledge there's a real world out there with a lot of bad things happening, but it's like, okay, like where can we reach out and offer assistance, guidance, community, whatever, um, and not just sweep it all under the carpet. Right. right. Say another prayer and I'll be there. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> we pray too, and we're out there in the street as well with with marches, protests, vigils, what have you. I've, you know, been part of organizing teams that have organized vigils in front of the state's largest ICE detention facility and gone in and done work, uh, witness work. We're um, being there, being present for deportation hearings, asylum-seeking hearings, you know, at those facilities, et cetera. So very important important work to be out in the world. And one of the organizers, when, when families were being separated at the southern border of the United States, we did a vigil at our center that we had about 150 people there and speakers from the different, from multiple groups in our community and a Riverside Resistance Revival Chorus was there. And one of the organizers, when I was talking about this and how I was approaching it and how I was speaking about it, really gave her hope because she was kind of tired and worn down. And the way I approached it, the way I shared the message that day really helped give her strength to keep carrying on and to keep moving on and to see things from a higher perspective while still being able to work in the, you know, on the front lines of, of the crisis. Because what we really are, it's empowering each other through spiritual principles. It's, a, it's empowering you to have agency in your life, in some, making decisions, and making the best decisions that you can, and being supported in that and lifted up and celebrated in that is really what we're sharing, what we're teaching. It's about self-empowerment, self with a capital S self. You've really found your calling. You really have. Um, It's such a gift that people can, I guess, plug in and recharge and, Mm -hmm. and, and you're there. That's amazing. I've bounced this around a little bit today. Is there anything we haven't talked about that a person who's feeling uncomfortable, unfulfilled with traditional religion, but looking for community and connection, is there anything you would say to them that we haven't talked about? Maybe we've covered lots of bases. I usually just finish with a, what else would you say to somebody? Mm -hmm. I think what I would say is listen to your heart, listen to your gut, 
listen to that intuition within you. There's a, there's, a, there's the inner critic and it's not that voice. The, the, your intuition, your higher wisdom self that is within you is always benevolent, always kind, always loving. So if there's any kind of criticism there, that's not your higher intuition self. That's not your higher self. So listening to that intuition, listening to that higher wisdom self that says, hey, Agnes, this is the next step. And then just follow through with whatever the next step is. Pick up the phone, call Michelle, call Jeff, check this out online, do this. Because when we listen to that higher wisdom self, we are always guided to our highest and best and to what it is that we are seeking. And know too that whatever it is you're seeking is already within you're not going to find it out there. It comes from within. I'm leaving that pause there for a reason. I, I know you can be found on Facebook. You can be found on YouTube, online. Where do people find you if they want to check out what you do? So our website is riversidecsl.org. On social, we're at Riverside CSL. So you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And then you can personally find me on TikTok at Rev Jeffrey Ryan on TikTok. So it's the new place that I'm playing and having fun and making little videos and laughing with myself. So there we are. <laughs> when you said TikTok, it was like, whoa, just <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear. Um, you can probably hear my dog in the background. She's been good for, I think, three interviews now. That's so great. That's pretty good. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm going to make sure all the notes, all the notes, all the links are in the show notes. Listeners, I know there are more than a few people who have experienced greater loneliness these last few years. People who have felt disconnected from the community because of the divisiveness that speaks so loudly on social media. People who long for a faith-supportive community that hasn't been tainted with scandal and bigotry and judgment. People who want to feel joy again with people who are happy to bring the joy. People who want to address global issues in a community of motivated, like-minded people. And I got to say, I'm not sure why it took me so long to connect the dots that Jeff was part of my life and that his message and practices were so this time were inappropriate but today we did connect if you have comments on today's show you can leave them where you're listening and we can be found at Apple Google Stitcher Spotify most places a person would listen to podcasts and of course there's always the website twoboomerwomen.com to leave your messages there click the join the conversation tab leave stars and reviews as they help us grow and before you go hit the subscribe or follow button and you'll be notified about future interviews with more of my great guests and share this episode with two friends who want or need to hear about a positive loving happy community of safe if you want to be a guest on the podcast or know someone who would there's an application form at the website too Reverend Jeffrey Ryan, I've bumbled about a bit today, but thank you for sharing your message and your love of your community with us. 
Uh, and thank you for being my guest on Two Bluebird Women today. Thank you. It's been an honor. Have a great rest of the week. You too. Thank you.